0: tonight? Praise the name of Jesus. The Lord is good. It seems like the more you serve Him, the better He gets. He just blesses and blesses and the more that He gives, the more that we grow and we need the power of the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the more you need it, the more He applies it to your life. And praise God, we can just come expecting in the Lord to minister to every need. I want you to open your Bibles with me tonight, if you will, to Joshua, the 6th chapter, and we're going to begin reading at the first verse. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Praise the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I just feel good in my spirit tonight. Hallelujah. I feel the joy of the Lord. Feel like one of those nights, like I, I feel like having a running fit. Hallelujah. Somebody told me, Brother Messer, I've heard you talk about those running fits for six years, and I've never seen one. Just hang on. Praise the Lord. He's good, isn't he? Joshua the sixth chapter, beginning with the first through the fifth verse. Pardon me for a moment here. I just lost my microphone. It's like a man that was holding a revival for us in Whittier, California a few years back. I'll never forget that. He was giving an altar call, and he had everybody, their heads bowed, their eyes closed. He said, nobody looking around in reverence to God. And while he was giving his plea for men and women to come to Jesus Christ, there was a high platform set up in the air. And all of a sudden, there was this loud bang. Just a real loud noise and I heard him come over the microphone said don't open your eyes folks don't worry I just fell off the platform everything's all right got back up went on gave his altar call hallelujah many came to Jesus so praise the Lord God moves in spite of it doesn't he hallelujah Joshua the sixth chapter beginning with the first verse now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel.
1: None went in,
0: none none went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, see I have given unto thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valour, and ye shall compass the city all ye men of war and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet and all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city. Shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before Him. Hallelujah. Let's pray and ask God to bless the reading of His Word. Father, in Jesus' name we thank You. And we give You praise. And we glorify Your name for all of the good things that You're going to do in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, we're going to give You praise, and we're going to thank You, and we're going to glorify Your name because we know that You're here to minister to the people of God. And for this we honor You. In Jesus' mighty name and for His glory we pray. Amen. I'm sure that you are aware of the fact, if you've been serving the Lord very long, and even if you haven't, you've learned by now that it's a true saying that God has chosen mysterious and strange ways His wonders to perform. I know that this is true. The Lord has chosen strange methods and strange ways His wonders to perform, and sometimes we don't understand why He has chosen these methods. All we know is that God does things differently than anybody else, and He performs things in a way that we never anticipated. In a way that we never look for, and as long as we know that God is in it, and He's the one in charge, that's all that counts. Amen? I found in my own life, in my own ministry, things that God has done. And you know, one day the Lord spoke to me and He said, don't worry about it, because I was so discouraged over the fact that I didn't think God should be doing a certain thing the way He was doing it. God said, don't worry about it. He said, I have hidden myself in simplicity. And I thought, what a tremendous truth that Jesus had actually hid Himself in simplicity because when He came down here to live upon the face of the earth and He was born of a virgin, all of those people that were wise and all of the noble and all of the wealthy and all of those that had great uh, substance and things upon this earth, they could not receive Him because of the crude manner in which He came to be upon the earth. There were some saying, why, He says He's the Son of God. He says He's the Christ. He said He's the Messiah. But if He was, why wasn't He born in a kingdom instead of a barn? Why is He experiencing all of these strange ways? The Pharisees and those people of the religious world could not receive Him because of His unusual manner and the things that He had said and done. And I've noticed throughout the Scriptures from the beginning of time that God always chose strange things. With Jericho, the city that... God had led Joshua and all those people to go in and conquer. The Bible says that the city of Jericho was shut up. It was closed tight because of the people of Israel. And they had heard the rumors of how God had parted the Red Sea. They had heard of the power of God upon these people's life and how He had provided for them. How He had sent manna from heaven, how He had ministered to every need that they possessed. And so because of all these things that they had heard, a tremendous fear had gripped their heart, and they said those people are on the other side of the River Jordan, and they're getting ready to come over here. And we're afraid that the God that they serve is going to give them power and authority to overcome us the way He did the other nations in Egypt and how He parted the Red Sea. And great fear came upon them, and they were all in, in order. The city was locked up. The men were upon the walls. They were totally prepared to shoot and to fight and to go against everything that might come. I'm sure that you know yourself that when people are afraid, sometimes you can overcome a great thing just through fear itself. Come on. Somebody's scared half to death. Why, that's the time if you jump real loud and yell real loud and, and come after them, you've got them beat because they're already scared. Fear's killed them before you started. And here they were afraid, so the natural thing to do is to go in... And he said, Joshua, he said, here's what we're going to do. He said, you're going to take the people of Israel and they're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. And to the, the Israelites and to the people of that day, the Ark of the Covenant was a very sacred thing and it meant a great deal. And to you who have studied it and know what it meant and represented the power of God, it was a great thing. But to the people of Jericho, it didn't mean anything, it was only a box. And God said, You take this box or or this ark of the covenant, have the priests carry it upon their shoulders, and have them march around the city one time each day. I'm sure that they begin to wonder in their heart what God was doing. Lord, we're supposed to take the city. This city is a big barrier to us here. There are walls in front of us. We've got to overcome this. Now, God, you don't take that city by marching, you take it by fighting. But God said, march, hallelujah. If you'll obey and do what I have commanded you to do, then you're going to see victory and power of God come down upon the city and you're going to overcome it because I have spoken the word. So He said, march around that city. Now, I'll tell you, that's something that's very difficult to do. You know, when God tells you to do something that's great, wonderful, and noble, it's pretty easy. But when He tells you to do something like this to march, that doesn't make sense. How are you going to overcome the city by marching? But God said, march! And I can picture the Israelites as they started around, the priests out there in the front with their ram's horns blowing, those ram's horns making the strange noise, the other priests carrying the box, the others that were marching behind them, and, and the people of Jericho sitting around there with their, with their arms and their bows and their arrows and all that they had watching Israel start around their first trip around the city that day. I'm sure they begin to say in their heart, what's he going to do now? What are they going to do? How come they're marching around the city? Why are they doing this? But I want you to know that it was part of the plan of God. They marched around in each day as they marched around. I'm sure the people inside of the city wondered exactly what was happening. But it wasn't long till after they had marched around, four days, five days, I can imagine that at that particular point they begin to think, well these people aren't dangerous. We thought maybe they were going to cause us problems and maybe they were going to overcome us, but all they know how to do is march. Come on. Nothing's happening, marching around, blowing horns, carrying that box. And they probably begin to make fun of them and laugh at them as they marched around the walls, uh, wondering why they were doing this and beginning to prod them and make them look like fools. You know, I've found that every time you begin to do something for God, there are going to be those on the outside that don't understand what you're doing. And the city and the community and people that are not saved, they're going to look on and say, what are those people doing? It isn't necessary to do that. You don't have to react in that way. But God has a command. God has a specific method. God has a way. And we have to be obedient to the command and to the method that God would lay before us. Can you say amen? And here those people begin to march around that wall. And on the seventh day, God said, not just one time, but you march seven times. And He said, after you've come around the sixth time or the seventh time, you stand out in front of all the congregation of Israel. They gather themselves together. And He said, as they're gathered in front of the city, He said, you blow the ram's horn seven times, and then the congregation of Israel shall shout. to God, I've often wondered what would have happened if they would have followed God's plan right down to a gnat's eye, to the very place of marching around the wall, carrying the ark, blowing the ram horns, uh, doing everything that God had said, but when it came to the last moment, everything but the shout. Lord, we just didn't think it was necessary to shout. We marched like you told us. We didn't feel that that part would work or we forgot about it. We just said, what do you think would have happened? I don't believe the walls would have come down. Because that was part of the plan that God had laid out. And we have to obey and follow the directions of God's plans, no matter how ridiculous and how foolish they may appear to be. I remember I was reading a book just recently. I have a book back in my room. It's about thy God. Uh, Raineth, I believe it is. About a great revival that broke over in South America. And I'll never forget the testimony that was given in that book. About this man was over in that land preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the problem was nothing was happening. Now, they didn't know what it was to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, I can't say that. They probably knew what it was. They just hadn't received it. And they probably didn't believe in it. But anyway, they had never been filled with the Holy Ghost. And here he was with the missionary station. He had about five or ten people in it. And it had been laboring and laboring and laboring and nothing had happened. And so one day, he got alone. He said, Lord, I'm going to go up into my room. And he said, up into a place and get alone." And he said, I'm going to stay before God until He opens heaven, until He speaks to me. I don't care how long it takes me, I'm going to stay there until God ministers, until God comes down and speaks to me. Well, brother, when you start making big statements like that, you better be prepared to back them up. Come on. Because the Lord is liable to let you take a little longer than what you thought He would just in order to keep you on your face. Amen. Keep you praying. This man got up there and he prayed and he prayed and... He was gonna fast and pray and he went on for day after day after day, four five days, six days, finally he'd been on his knees for a week. Nothing happened. God was still silent. Heavens hadn't opened, the Lord hadn't spoke to him. And he was getting hungry. Hallelujah. And Lord, what am I gonna do? So he said, I'll go on a little longer. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed another day and another day. And still nothing seemed to bring God out of his silence. Nothing seemed to bring God out to minister to the man. And he kept on praying and seeking God and staying up there. And finally he got so disappointed and so discouraged in his heart. He said, God, I'm giving you till Saturday. Hallelujah. It's easy to say I'm going to stay there till God speaks. Until after a few weeks have passed and you think, Lord, you ain't going to speak, I'll die up here. Said, so I'm going to give you this Saturday, God. If you don't speak to me by Saturday at 2 o'clock, I'll give you time. That's another thing. You know, every time we get ourselves into a rut and God hasn't done what we think He ought to do, by a certain time or a certain day we'll say, Well, now, I'll give Him until this time. And if it don't happen here, then I'll know it's not God's will, so I'll, I'll get out of this. So, God, now if you don't move by Saturday at 2 o'clock, then I'll just take it that you didn't want me to pray. So the man got down there and he prayed and prayed. And sure enough, God made him wait there to Saturday. Hallelujah. Finally, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, nothing had happened. 2 o'clock, nothing happened. He said, all right, Lord, I'm keeping my part of the bargain. He said, I told you at 2 o'clock. He got up. Just as soon as he got up, he heard a knock on the door. He went downstairs and opened it up. And here was a backslidden preacher standing down there with his son who was not even a Christian. And he said, I want you to pray for my boy. He said, he's away. He doesn't know God. And and he said, I just felt compelled to come here. And the man said, Why, sure. And he brought the boy in and there led him to Jesus and brought him into an experience with God. And the man left. And as soon as the door was shut behind him, God spoke to him and said, See, I can bring people when I want to. Now get back up in the closet and pray. Hallelujah. Amen. So he went back up there and he began to pray. And he went on for another week. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that? We think we pray sometimes, but I don't know about spending three weeks up there in that little hole up on top of the house in an attic up there praying. He went on for another week for three weeks. And finally, after a, after a month had passed... He said, I had to break. I had to stop. And he said, all of a sudden, at the end of that month, he said, God opened up the windows of heaven. God rained down upon me. God began to show me things that I had never dreamed of and things that were going to happen. And then God spoke to me. And he said, I want you to get all the people of your church, which surely wasn't very many. But he said, I want you to get them together. And he said, I want you to have them pray until 7 o'clock at night, until 12 o'clock at night, from 7 to 12. So this man, he was so excited, he got up off his feet, he went down and he got the ones that were with him together, he said, I want everybody to come tonight, we're going to have a prayer meeting, God told me to pray, and he said, we're going to pray from 7 till 12 and God's going to speak to us. And so they all came together that day. And they got down upon their knees and they began to pray. And they, they prayed from 7, 8, 9, 10, and finally 11.45. He looked at his watch. Nothing had happened. There were just a few moans here and there from the people that were praying as no tongues or anything going on. They just... Half of them were sleeping. And so he got up and he said, Has anything happened? Did anybody get anything from God yet? Nobody said a thing. He said, No, I, I didn't get anything. Except one little girl said, Well, I... No, no, she says, it's too ridiculous. I won't even mention it. He said, no, oh, come on, tell us. She said, oh, no. She said, so foolish, it's not even worth talking about. He said, at this point, nothing's foolish. What was it? She said, well, I, I'm really ashamed to tell you, but she said, I, I had a real strange impulse to go up there and knock on that table. He said, well, do it. She said, no, no, I won't do it. And nobody could get the girl to do it. She felt so embarrassed about such a ridiculous thing as that. And so nothing happened. Well, the next night he said, We're going to do it again. God said from seven to twelve, we must have done something wrong. He said, I want you to be out here tomorrow night, we're going to do it again from seven to twelve. So they all got there again. And they got out upon their knees and they began to pray again. They went on, eleven forty five. He got up and he said, Did really get anything from God? Nobody had gotten a thing. Nobody heard a thing. Nobody felt anything. They all just took a nap or prayed a little bit, and that was it. And finally, the same little girl said, well, I did have that same impulse to knock on the table again. He said, well, do it. She said, no, won't. It's too silly to go up and knock on a table. Who ever heard of anything like that? So he said, well, we're going to try it one more night. We must have done something wrong. So they came out the next night, and they started at 7 o'clock, and they prayed till 11.45. 11.45, he got them all up again. He so said, did anybody get anything from God? Nobody had gotten a thing, except that same little girl who had the same impulse. Knock on the table. Finally, he said, we've got 15 minutes left before 12 o'clock. He says, I want you to all come up here to the front. So they all came up to the front. He said, I want you to make a circle around the table here. And they made a circle around the table. And he said, all right, now every one of us, one by one, he said, we're going to knock on the table. Yeah. Can you imagine anything so stupid as that? People going to church and knocking on a table. Somebody came into my church and God told me to knock on a table, I'd say, you're crazy. Amen. Or either knock on it and see what happens. But I'd be thinking they're crazy anyway so they gathered around the table and the man, the pastor, or the missionary, he reached out first and I knocked on the table. Nothing happened. Backslidden preacher that was next to him reached out and knocked on the table. Two other women that were along with them they reached out and knocked on the table. And finally, the little girl who had had the impulse to knock on the table all three times, she reached out, pulled her hand back again. Raced out again and thought, well, they've done it. What does it hurt? And she rapped on the table. And when she knocked on the table, all of a sudden there came into that building uh, the sound of a rushing mighty wind. uh, Blew open the back doors, filled that place. They were all slain in the Spirit of God. Uh, They lay prostrate on the floor, speaking in the unknown tongue, had never heard of anything like this. Uh, Their whole life was transformed. That man got up off of his feet, went out, and those people with him began to witness that one of the greatest revivals in the South American country started that swept absolutely thousands. Thousands of people into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it all mean? Should we bring a table in here tonight? No, I don't think it means that at all. I mean, I believe that it means that we must be obedient to God no matter what God tells you to do, no matter how ridiculous it may appear to be, that obedience under the things of God is the most important thing that you can do, is to do exactly what God has told you to do. Hallelujah. You know, there's a church down there in our area that they started out one night and they heard that if you, if you march, boy, they had a time. Everything was bound up and nobody could seem to do anything and, and nobody could get victory. So they felt like they should march. So they got up one night and they marched around the walls. Or around the church, rather. Not around the walls. And they praised God and they went on that way and God came down and blessed them and they said, Praise the Lord, we have found the key! It's marching! So they said, consequently, every service before we start, we want you to be here 45 minutes early. We're going to march. Hallelujah. And we'll have the power of God in the place before we start. So they march every service. Well, you know, I've often wondered what would have happened to Jericho if they'd have went down and marched around Ai. Marched around somewhere else. It wouldn't work. Because, you see, this was a plan that God had used at that time, and He needed obedience. But God moves in diversities of ways uh, and operates in entirely different manners. uh, And the importance is to be obedient to God at whatever He says at the time that He says it, and be in tune with God that we might know which way God's leading us. Hallelujah. I know that it seemed foolish to those people at that time, but you know a lot of the things that God did when He came to a man that was blind. And I've had people say, well, why does God use that method? Why does God do this? Couldn't You know, somebody told me about deliverance one time. They said, uh, uh, why is it that when you pray for somebody to be delivered, why, you spend a long time? said, you get down there and pray and rebuke and cast out and carry on. Jesus just walked up. Zap, they were done. Well, I said, first place, I don't believe Jesus just walked up and zapped, and they were done. In some areas, it shows that there was a definite battle that was ensued. uh, And the Spirit spoke back to them and said, We know who you are. Why have you come to torment us before our time? And he'd already commanded them to come out. But instead of coming out, they said, Why are you doing this? And then he went on, and finally the Bible said they besought him much. Not to cast them out of that coast. Well, how much is much? It could have been an hour. It could have been two. It could have been a long time. But even if it was something that was instantly, I don't understand why God does what He does in the way that He does it. Here was a man that was down there had, had blind eyes. And Jesus came up to him and the first thing he did was spit in the dirt. Make clay out of the spittle and rub it in the man's eyes. Now, Lord, you don't have to do that. All you would have had to do was just go up and say, be made whole. And he would have seen do you believe that? He could have done it that way, but He didn't. And why He didn't is not my business nor yours. It's the fact that, that God does things in strange ways, and we just have to be obedient to the things and to the ways that He moves. He spit into the clay. He put clay upon that man's eyes, and He sent him to wash. And when the man washed, he was made whole. And I'm sure that if I came in here one night and I said, excuse me, there's somebody here who was blind, I gotta run outside and I spit in the dirt and come back in making this clay and put it in the eyes, I, you know, you'd say, Messer, he's gone crazy. Gone off on some weird doctrine here. He doesn't have to do that. Well, maybe you're right. But on the other hand, God has done and used methods and means that are strange. Now, if I went out and did that and put it on the man's eyes and said, now you're made whole, and he wasn't whole, then it would be very obvious that I was moving in my own strength. But Jesus had results with everything He'd done, even though He'd done it in a strange manner. Look at at, uh, uh, Naaman, this great man. Here he was. He had everything going for him. You know, I've got a man down in Phoenix Hospital that he just got out this the other day, and I was talking to him while he was in the hospital having a disc removed out of his back. And I said, Brother, I said, you know, you really don't realize how much you need God and how much you really depend on God until He gets you down somewhere. And sometimes we don't think about it. We think, oh, I've got everything going for me. Praise God. I don't have to worry. But it doesn't take but one little thing. Man, and God can pull the skids right out from under you and you can think about nothing. But, Lord, what's going to happen to me? Hallelujah. I remember going to see a friend in the hospital who had been in an automobile accident and he was just hinging between life and death. And everything that, that, that that man wanted had been going for him. He had everything he could possibly want. But in just a split second, Boom, like that. Nobody cared about anything, not his life, his home, his job, or anything else. Just live life. That's all they thought about. You see, it changes your entire attitude. And here was this man, Naaman, who had everything that a man could possibly want. The Bible said he was a mighty man of valor. He had recognition. He was looked up to by the king and all the people. He was a great individual, but one little spot in his hand made him a leper. And because of that little spot, it could take his life. And he didn't know what to do about it. He 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 couldn't know exactly how to react. Everything that he had, all of his kingdom, all of his money, all of his prestige, all that he possessed. Here it was. He had everything a man could possibly look for. But now what good was it as long as he was a leper? If that thing took his life, these other things didn't mean anything at all. So finally, while Naaman was in this dilemma, a little girl from the house of Israel who had been taken in war, who was the servant of Naaman, had spoken to Naaman's wife. And she says, would to God that my servant Naaman or my master Naaman were over in Israel. She said, there's a man of God over there. Hallelujah. There's somebody that knows how to touch God and how to get a hold of God. And he says, he could set Naaman free of his leprosy if he was only there. And so he was told Naaman and Naaman had written letters and sent it to the king of Israel and here was a man. you see the kingdom started with Saul and with David and with men who knew how to contact God and they were supposed to be able to seek God too. But this king when he received a letter saying, "I want you to make my servant free, the king says, what is this? This man seeks a quarrel with me. He's trying to start a war. Who am I? God that I can make somebody well and, and that I could give somebody life or take it away? Why, everything that Israel stood for was the power of God. Now, this king didn't even know about it. But, oh, Elijah did. Hallelujah. And Elisha sent to the king, and he said, Tell the king to send Naaman over here. And he said, I'll show him there's a God in Israel. Hallelujah. Send him over here. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, you know, I've often thought most preachers today, if they were having a visit by a president. Or by some great world leader who had prestige, was a mighty man who had been seen, notable, and all of that. And they knew he was coming to their house. They would have rolled out the red carpet. Hallelujah. Had all the neighbors in there hiding behind the fences to see him when he came up. And all the things that, oh, they'd have made a big deal over it. But here was O Elisha in there laying on his cot, meditating, thinking about the things of God. And all of a sudden this great man with all of his pomp and all of his splendor, camels loaded down with jewels and everything that he could possibly want and and changes of raiment and he was bringing this to the man to set him free, they come riding up in this beautiful sight of of camels and jewels and all the men that were riding with him come riding in. Uh, and the servant come running in to Elisha and said, Elisha, the great man Naaman is here that thou might cleanse him from his leprosy. He's out there waiting for you now. Elijah says, Oh, really? Well, tell him to go down to the river Jordan and dip seven times. And he'll be all right. Can't say amen. Say ouch. It's the truth. Tell him to go down the river Jordan and dip seven times. The servant come back out and said, "My master, he didn't even come out to see him." He said, "Told you to go down the river Jordan and dip seven times. You're going to be cleansed." Naaman said, "He did." He said, "Well, I thought he was going to come out here and strike his hand on the spot." And I thought he was going to lift his hand to heaven and call out to God. And I thought he's going to do all of these wonderful things. And instead he comes out here and tells me to go down to a river and dip seven times. Why, he said, isn't the rivers of Euphrates and Farpar and many of these others in Egypt far better than that dirty old river Jordan? He said, I don't want to go down there. And he rode away in haste and he rode away mad because Elisha had not done what he thought he should have done. You see, the whole truth of the matter was Elijah didn't have anything to do with cleansing him. It was God. And all Elijah could do was obey God. And all Naaman could do was take the words that Elisha spoke and obey them. And God would set him free. And so he went down the road. And as he was going down, his servant spoke to him and he said, sir, he said, what have you got to lose? Why, he said, if this man of God would have asked you to do a great noble thing and to go before the people and to be seen of everybody and cause you to be lifted up, he said, you would have been happy to do it because you know that it would have something that would have lifted you up. How much... trees, where he could slip down in, nobody would see him, climb down into the water just exactly like Elijah had told him to do without anybody knowing about it, and he dipped down, probably in a rage, coming up each time, looking at the spot, saying, I knew there was nothing going to happen. Here it is, still the same, still there, still there, down again and again and again and again. But the Bible said when Naaman had dipped the seventh time, just as God had commanded him through his servant Elisha, when he came up the seventh time, that his hand had received the flesh of a newborn baby. Hallelujah. Because he had been obedient to the command of God. It was a humbling experience. But that's the way God had chosen for this man Naaman. I had a lady come to me one time and said, brother, I want to be healed so bad, but don't hit me too hard. I said, what? She said, don't hit me too hard. She says, I, I want to be healed, but I don't want to fall. I said, well, you don't really want to be healed then. I could care less if God dropped me off a ten-story building on my head. If when I got up, I was well, praise the Lord. That's all I'm after is results. Not a method. God gave Naaman results, but many times the way God chooses, it was a humbling experience for Israel to come down here and march around the walls been a lot better to say we got our swords out and we rushed them and we pulled our bows and then Joshua went around the other side while I pulled in on this side and they could glorify themselves for all they did but God had a humbling experience a, a simple way and a method he said just march around those walls and he said you're going to see something happen because that's the plan that I have for you and you've got to obey what I tell you to do. Joshua gave simple obedience and when he did... And they stopped marching and they blew the ram's horns and the people of Israel came forth with a shout. Hallelujah. All of a sudden as they shouted, brother, this wasn't no little thing of bricks falling down. Hallelujah. Those walls were so big they had houses on them, chariot races on them. Huge. There was a rumble and a shaking of the earth and a quaking and those walls began to tumble down and they fell so that the people of Israel could rush over the wall and take the city and do what God had told him to do. And God's method of conquering that city may have seemed ridiculous. It may have seemed foolish, but it worked. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe that many times the things that God wants us to do are things that are going to humble us a little bit, things that will make us feel a little different. I remember, and I'm not going to go into this story because you've heard it before, when God spoke to me down in Los Angeles area, when I was in San Diego area there to to uh, march around a congregation because they wouldn't praise God and said, March! And I ended up marching like a fool all by myself, singing, I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. While 250 people sat there and looked at me like I'd lost my mind. And I was beginning to wonder if I had myself. Went around, clapping my hands, singing, shouting, I'm so glad. Brother, you just can't appreciate those kind of positions until you get in one. Amen. It's easy to think about it now, but you go into some of these churches and every one of them has got a different feel and a different spirit about it. And you're hearing the Word of God and you're doing what God tells you to do, but underneath the old flesh is just alive enough to make you wonder if it's God or something that you've been tricked into doing. And here you are marching around like a fool. uh, But when God speaks, hallelujah, I found it's usually always totally contrary to anything that John Metzler's mind would think up at all. Amen. Amen. When God moves upon me in that particular method and fashion, and I find myself obeying what God told me to do, brother, there's always victory. Hallelujah. Look at David, when God said, David, go down there and fight Goliath and take, have you ever heard of anything so ridiculous as that? Little bitty guy with a slingshot against a giant that all the armies of Israel had been afraid of. But see, this was God's plan. This was God's method. And I'll tell you something, it humbled the armies of Israel too when they saw David down there carrying his head back up by the hair. Hallelujah. Because they saw that it was the power of God and not that of a man in just obeying and doing what God said. And you know, there are people that will laugh at our methods. There are people that will look down upon you. And the reason why we don't want to do some of the things that God says is because of that humbling experience. We're afraid they're going to look down on you. And you're right. They will. They'll call you holy rollers. They'll call you fanatics. They'll think there's something wrong. They'll come in with that funny look with their nose wrinkled up and look around over the church and... Wonder, my, what is this? You know, they know what it is. They just do that for your benefit. (laughs) Amen. I never will forget when I was holding a revival for Brother Mitchell up in Oregon. And we'd gone to see this woman that had more money and she had brains. Hallelujah. And she didn't care about anything but herself. And so she decided she's going to come to the revival service that night. And here she was, all these people down there with their hearts and their hands uplifted unto God, giving praise. And this woman walked in the door, and I'll never forget it. It just—it was, it was so strange. She walked in and got this odd look. as she came in. She says, why, these are just poor folk. Amen. Like, what am I doing in this midst of people like this? Why, this is a humbling experience. And everybody feels like, well, I want to do something that brings exaltation to the old man. It looks like it really is accomplishing something. It looks good. When well, I pray. I don't want to just get out and say some simple prayer. I'd like to come off with, uh, Oh, Heavenly Father, Creator of the universe, uh, Master and Maker of all things, uh, and on and on and on and on. Something that looks good. But listen, God's methods and God's ways are so totally different to anything we can think of. They cannot even be measured in human intelligence. We need to just be obedient to the things of God. Hallelujah. Do you believe it? I read about an old fellow that just turned a college campus totally upside down for God. Didn't even have enough sense to be able to read the Bible. Couldn't read. Couldn't do anything. And he he said that God spoke to him from time to time. A strange looking fellow. Overalls. uh, Not that overalls are strange, but just the way this man was dressed and long... Shaggy sort of looking hair, teeth missing. Looked like a fellow just, uh, right straight out of the Ozarks is what he was. And he said, God spoke to him one day and said, go down the river and pray. He said, the Lord does that to me every once in a while and I just go down there and stay to where he tells me to come back. And he was telling the man who was asking questions, this man said, how long did you stay down there? Well, he said, I don't rightly know. He said, sometimes when I go down there and pray, he said, I lose track of things. said, so near as I can figure, I think it's a couple of weeks. He stayed down there by the river praying. He said, God told me to go down this here campus and, and tell these young people about Jesus. And so he went down there on the campus, just marched in, didn't know what to do, who to go, or where to go, or anything else. And he went down there and first kids that he saw started telling them about the Lord. First one he saw needed healing started performing miracles. Hallelujah. Until it showed pictures of that old fellow out there with, with hunger. Of young people sitting out on the lawns, listening to him, being healed, set free by the power of God. And if anybody would have looked at him and, and said, Is that man called in the ministry? They'd say, My Lord, no. He couldn't reach a congregation if his life depended on it. But through obedience to what God had told him to do, a great and a tremendous work was wrought. Hallelujah. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And sometimes we think that through our sacrifices we're doing God a favor, just like Saul when he went out and he took the city and he came back and God had told him to take all of the animals and all the spoil and to get rid of them and to kill them and put all the spoil in the house of God. And Samuel met him and said, Saul, did you do what God told you to do? And Saul said, oh, yes. He said, we destroyed it all. Samuel said, well, what's that? The bleeding of sheep that I hear in my ear and the lowing of cattle. Saul said, oh, uh, well, Samuel, he said, we did save a few sheep because we figured, you know, that God would deserve an offering. And we deserved to give praise to God for what He has done. So we kept a few sheep and a few cattle that we could come and offer sacrifice to God. And we wanted to offer sacrifice. And Samuel looked at Saul and he said, Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. Hallelujah. I want you to realize one of the things that God is looking for every one of us today. Uh, maybe you want to sacrifice your life for God. Uh, maybe you want to be uh, somebody that is used in the Spirit of God. Maybe you want to do great things or you want to see things done. Uh, what God is showing to every one of us today, uh, that obedience is far greater than any kind of a sacrifice that we might be able to offer. Uh, anything that we can do, any gift that we put in the offering plate. Uh, that obedience under the commands that God has laid before us. is is the prime thing that God is looking for out of His people because an obedient heart is the kind of an individual that God can use. When He spoke to Abraham, He was testing Abraham's faith and Abraham's obedience. Because he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. And you've always wanted a son by your wife, Sarah, and I'm going to see that you have it. And finally, Abraham got that promise, and his son was born, and he was enjoying him and living in the fullness and the blessing of God. Then all of a sudden, God came to him and said, Abraham, now I want you to take that son, thine only son, Isaac, the one that I have given you. Take him up on Mount Moriah and kill him. Abraham, no doubt, was as quiet as you were for that moment. Kill him. God said, thou shalt not kill. God said that I'm not supposed to do this. And if God wanted me to kill him, what did He give him to me for to begin with? That couldn't be God. That couldn't be the Lord. But you know what? Abraham knew the voice of God. And he had learned that he didn't understand God. He had learned that he was in the covenant with God and that God loved him and he loved God. And that if God was asking him to do something, there was a reason for it. He had confidence, faith, in the sense that he would obey God right down to the very detail. And so the Bible says that Abraham had such confidence in God that he believed that if he had have killed Isaac, God would have even raised him from the dead. And in obedience, he took that boy, marched up on Mount Moriah, made an altar, placed him upon him, tied it down. And you know the story. If God hadn't stopped him, he would have taken his life because he was a man of obedience to what God had told him to do. Hallelujah. And I want you to realize God has many, many works to be done. He has many things that must be accomplished. He wants to do things among the lives of His people. But the only way those things will ever be done is by an obedient heart. Say, yes, Lord, here am I. Just speak the Word. Tell me what to do and how to do it. And I will be obedient to the command. Even though Your method may be unusual. Even though it may be in a place that I don't want to go. Even though it might be something totally different than I have ever expected. God, just do it. And I'll be obedient to Your command. Brother, I'll tell you, it'll bring a result in your life and it'll bring a breaking down and a newness in your spirit that you didn't know you could ever have. Hallelujah. You'll never really accomplish anything to God, for God until you come to that point and to that place. Hallelujah. Of obedience, glory to God, and doing what God said to do. Hallelujah. Shatala babaranda kiyala I believe Brother Mitchell shared with some of you while we are up with... Greg Johnson holding Revival in Yuma. I never seen anything quite in this particular fashion. Right in the middle of my sermon. And I was really preaching up a storm. This huge, the most hugest thing I'd ever seen. Bat moth or something. I don't know what they call them. had wings. It's bigger than a hummingbird. And that moth came into that place and started flying over the heads of those people and darting down right on the... On the women and they were screaming and yelling out and I was trying to preach over all that it couldn't do anything and I thought Lord what am I going to do? They were yelling, screaming, help, get this thing out of here and throwing things and and I, I thought oh God it's the devil you know and so I said do something I stopped preaching and I told them in I said get a magazine get something. kill that thing so some of the men got magazines and they rolled it up and they were chasing around me. Meanwhile, Greg had gone back in the parsonage behind and he got an aerosol can and he was running around shooting at it this way. It's the most confusing mess I'd ever been in all my life. had to stop right in the middle of my sermon to do all this. This went on for quite a while. He was spurting and they were swatting and and I saw they were going to get nowhere. Somebody's going to get killed or something. So I, I, I was just praying. I said, God, I don't know what to do. And I just said, stop. And they stopped. I said, there's only one thing we can do. I said, we're going to have to use a little logic along with the Spirit of the Lord. I said, turn off the lights, all the lights. Leave the porch light on out there and we'll just leave on that porch light and he'll fly outside to get to that light. So we turned off all the lights and he had the porch light on. And one man jumped up, ran outside, got his car, drove around over the curb and turned the headlights on bright right into the door and he was rearing up the motor so his lights would be brighter. And I said, let's praise God while this is going on before everything's gone. And so they all lifted their hands and they began to praise the Lord. And if you could have seen this sight, church, you'd never forget it as long as you live. Pentecostal church full of people, lights off, porch light on, A car driven up over the f- curb with his headlights sh- shining into the front door, rearing up his motor, and all this going on inside the church. And two Marines come watching down, walking down the street, and they saw this. And I could see them plainly from the pulpit, because I was looking right through the back doors. And they walked up, and he looked around and started laughing at each other. It made his hands go like this. And they walked up to the porch. And they were peeking in through the back door there. All oh, the light's out. And everybody was crying out. And I saw them. I thought, Lord, what will I do? Amen. And I just said, turn on the light. So they turned on the lights and the guy backed off the curb and they were looking at each other so they just walked on in and sit down on their back. And you know, I went on with my sermon. That moth had lit him right up here on the front. He was sitting down there and I told the guy, I said, he's right there. And this fellow ran up and got him. I went on with my sermon and gave the altar call and by the time I gave the altar call God had gotten a hold of those Marines and tears were streaming down their face. They ran down to that altar gave their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. God transformed their life. Hallelujah. I mean it really took. It wasn't something that just happened brother. They were there every night after that. They had poured a, a tremendous amount of money into that revival and they got a hold of God. God blessed them and here was something that was so odd and so strange that somebody said what was it? it was a devil, or was it God? Was he one of God's strange ways? Well, I don't know what it was. I'd like to think it was the devil, and God just turned it around and beat the devil at his own trick. Amen. But I do know this: that God used it because those men came up and said, "Brother, if we had not seen this going on, whatever it was, I've never saw anything like that." Said a car up over the curb with his lights in the church. And the people making all this noise and no lights in there said if we hadn't have seen that, we wouldn't even went near that place. But because of that unusual scene, we had to go over and see what it was. And he said, thank God we did. And the last time that I talked to Brother Greg, he said those guys that brought half the Marine Corps down to his church. Hallelujah. Amen. And they're still going on for Jesus. Praise the Lord. You know, God uses strange methods strange ways. I can't understand it. Don't try to. All I say is, Lord, we want results. Praise God. We want to see people saved. We want to see them set free. And God, You just give us the command and You shall switch way to move and we'll obey. Hallelujah. And we'll do what You tell us to do. And I know that through this, we're going to see the power of God manifest. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Let's lift your hands and let's praise God. E mandalam angur ribassanda ribyanda yar Ramanda Hallelujah Hallelujah Hallelujah. Spirit, I don't understand all that God does. All I know is what He shows me, and I have to obey Him. But God's moving through your body right now and through your respiratory system. There's a certain thing, I don't understand all of it, has to do with allergies in some way that bothers you at certain times. And God's going to remove this right now with the power of His Holy Spirit. I believe it in the name of the Lord. You're going to feel release coming in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? Amen. It's true, isn't it? Amen. Lift your hands toward this young man right now. Father, I come against this allergy and this respiratory problem, and I command that thing right now in the name of Jesus Christ to leave from this young man's body, be healed and made free by the power of the Lord, and receive it in His name. Hallelujah. It's happening right now. Praise the name of Jesus Brother, right there in the blue shirt on the end of the aisle, way back there. You, sir, stand up. Praise God. Lift your hands to Jesus right now. God is doing something upon you in the name of Jesus, but there's a barrier there that makes it very difficult for you to get a hold of God. You want God, and God has made it real to you in many areas, but you try to release yourself, and you just can't. Something seems to just keep you bottled up. But God can break that thing for you right now and give you complete liberty inside of your soul to where you just feel sweet release in Jesus. Do you believe that? Lift your hands high and just look to... I want everybody, just lift your hands toward that brother right now that God ministers. Satan, I command this barrier to be broken right now. Every hindrance that would be upon this brother, I command that thing by the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, lift, hallelujah, that there be a freedom and a liberty flow through his body and that he begin to experience the peace and the joy that Jesus Christ would bring upon his heart, in his mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands high to Him. And let's tell Him we love Him again tonight. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand up, sister. Lift your hands to Jesus right there. I want you to just agree with me right now. God's moving upon your mind. And planted deep down inside of you is a hunger and a desire. And there's a certain thing that you felt that God has been moving upon you and dealing with you about for some time. You haven't shared this. You've kept it on the inside. And God wants to release you right now in His Holy Spirit. And you're going to see the fulfillment of this thing that God has shown you. Hallelujah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had it come to you many, many times. Even at times of sleep, you felt it in a dream. And God is going to minister to you right now by the power of His Spirit in some way, somehow. You're going to see the manifestation of this thing begin to work in your life. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Am I telling you the truth? Amen. This is also connected with another individual that needs God in a real bad way. uh, And God can use you to do that work. And I believe He's going to. Just lift your hands toward her right now. Jesus, I bring this thing to pass. Release, Lord, by Thy Spirit and Thy power upon this life, uh, that the anointing of Jesus may minister upon her. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, lift your hands to Jesus, lift them up high Praise God is doing a work in your bloodstream right now And is touching your body and you're going to feel a release from this thing in the name of Jesus And it's going to produce a change in your physical chemistry where you will know that God has done this work. Hallelujah. It's going to make a tremendous... There's a number of little things that you suffered from physically, and it stems back to this problem in your blood. God is going to release it. I believe it right now. Lift your hands toward her. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this thing right now by the power of Jesus. Loose! Loose! Loborinda Lamanda Lamasya Lamando Roboriya Naya Lamando. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh blessed be the name of the Lord. Andor Ramando Kurianda Saya Lamanda Labaranda Yaranda. Praise the name of Jesus. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. I just want to sing that chorus one more time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Just sing it to the Lord right now. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that raises. I want you to just search your heart for a moment, because I feel there's some here tonight that your life is not right with Jesus. If you had to die at this moment, or if the Lord would return, which is very possible, I believe that you would be found without the Lord Jesus Christ. And deep down inside your heart, you know this. You know that you may have made provision for the things of this life, but you have never made provision for your soul. And if you were to die and go on into eternity without Jesus, you would not be able to answer for you would have no recourse but you know that god is speaking to your heart right now and you need to be saved you need to be born again you want to give your heart and your life to jesus just slip up your hand and slip it down say pray for me brother i know that i need to make my peace with god this is between you and the lord yes god bless you sister are there others come on slip it up slip it down say pray for me yes god bless you amen are there others don't put it off Jesus is speaking to you. This is the time. This is the opportunity to get right with God. Now is the day of salvation. That's the Word of God. This is the time. And if God's dealing with your heart, do it now. Praise the Lord. Give in to the Spirit of God now. Don't wait. You say, well, I'm not sure about all of this. Well, remember what we said. God has chosen strange and mysterious ways. And He knows you. He knows you. Every part of you. The numbers of the hairs upon your head. And He's speaking to you right now that you should give your life to Jesus. Would you live your hand up with these or already have And say yes brother I want to be a part of that I want to come to know God I want to be saved and born again by His power Slip it up and slip it down quickly Quickly Yes, God bless you sister Are there others Amen. If you've lifted your hand up, you don't need to do it again. But if the others who have not, you slip up your hand right now. And I know there's there's a young man here God's dealing with. I can feel it in my heart. You're not right with God. You need to be saved. You may think you are, but you're not. You're missing something inside. And if you'll be really honest with yourself, deep down inside, you know that you're not where God wants you to be. God's speaking to you right now to make that commitment and that decision for Him. Slip it up quickly. Pray for me, brother. I want to get right with Jesus with these who have already lifted their hand. I want to make my commitment to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Son, glory to God. Glory to God. Don't put it off. Alright. God bless you, young man. Amen. There's still another one. There's still another young man. I can feel it. Come on. Brother, if I could come down here and do it for you, I would. If I could make that decision in your place, I'd be more than happy to. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that we need to make that stand. Anybody can follow the world. Anybody can do what everybody else does. But it takes a man, it takes a woman with a backbone, with, with real something in their soul to stand up and say, All right, I'm going to serve God. I don't care what anybody else does or says. God's speaking to your life. I want you to slip it up quickly. With these already have There's another young man God speaking here tonight I can feel it Just sure as I'm alive Don't put it off Today is the day Now is the time And God is dealing And speaking with you Praise the name of Jesus Praise the name of Jesus Praise the name of Jesus all right, I want you to remain as you are, with your heads bound, your eyes closed. We're going to sing that chorus again. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And I want all of you that lifted your hand tonight, there's several here, that you lifted your hands that I need to get right with God. If you're really sincere in your heart, and I believe that you are, I want you to just stand to your feet and come down to this altar here and kneel right now, would you? And God's going to change your life. And there are those of you that did not lift your hand, and you know you should have. I want you to come with them. And if there's somebody near you that's not right with God, you just say, come on, I'll go with you. And you bring them down here. And let's get their heart right with Jesus. Praise God. Let's sing it while they come. Each one of you that lifted your hand, come on right now as we sing it. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, make you stand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. make you stand for Him right now and come down and give your heart to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Salvation, heal that body, Lord, for Thy glory. May the strength of the Lord pass through her and set her free by the anointing of Jesus. We believe it right now. May there be a real release of the Spirit of God. Glory to God. She's had a real problem of bonding all Hallelujah.